Thanks for listening to the weekend message from Abundant Life Church. Most weeks on the podcast, you'll hear teaching from our lead pastor, Jeremy Jernigan. We have campuses in Oregon and Washington and are committed to giving ourselves to make the gospel good news for others. Find out more about Abundant Life Church at alcpnw.com. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to Abundant Life Church. So great to be with you. My name is Jeremy. I'm the lead pastor here. And if you're new with us, I want to welcome you in as well. We're a church about giving ourselves to make the gospel good news for others. And uh, I look forward to joining you and being a part of this with you each and every weekend. And for those of you who are watching or listening online at some uh, later point in the week, great to have you along with us as well. Well, we are going through a series that we've been in called The Gospel of John and, and looking at the, the book of John in the New Testament. And, and so I want to encourage you to get your Bibles out and get something to take notes with. And if you want to write down today's message title so you can reference this later or, or keep track of, of where we were in the series, the title today is Following Jesus When It's Hard. Following Jesus When It's Hard. And we're going to be in our Bibles today in John chapter 6. Now, while you're getting there and uh, while you're getting ready, I want to encourage you, next week is Father's Day. And so if you uh, weren't planning on that, you forgot about that, uh, you're going to want to make sure you're planning ahead for that. Uh, But I also want to invite you, uh, we're going to have a very special weekend here at at Abundant Life. Uh, I've invited my dad to come in and and share a message. Uh, My dad has been a pastor as long as I can remember my whole life. And uh, he's going to come in and and bring a message for us next weekend. Uh, That's going to be really a fun weekend, so you're not going to want to miss that. I encourage you, maybe you want to invite your dad or, or figure out a way to celebrate that together with us. That'll be next weekend. Uh, And then as we get into today's message, uh, we got to look back a little bit. We had to look back to last weekend. You might go, why are we looking back? Uh, Because it sets up what we're going to see today. Now, if you missed last weekend, I encourage you, you can go back online. You can watch it on on YouTube or uh, go on our website and you can find that on on our podcast. Uh, But last week is when Jesus said something very strange. He's talking about this idea of him being the bread of life, but then he gets weirder with it and says that, that they have to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And if, again, if you were with us last week, it's a strange passage. It got a strange reaction. Now, today we're going to see what happens right after that. So Jesus has just talked about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. They're all looking at him a, a bit like he's crazy. Like, what is this guy asking us to do? And then we get into today's passage that uh, is, is so profound to consider uh, in the ministry of Jesus. And as people were trying to figure out what does it mean to follow Jesus. And so if you're with me in John chapter six, we're gonna begin reading in verse 60. It says this, many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Again, talking about last week with Jesus, talking about the flesh and the blood and going, this is hard. How are we to accept it? Now Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. And then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. 
Now at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Now that last line, you, you should go, whoa, wait, what happened? Many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Now this is not a, a, a scene of Jesus that we picture often. We don't often picture people walking away from Jesus. We picture people walking toward Jesus, right? And, and toward what he was doing. But in this scene here, we, we have the opposite happening. People are listening to him and they're saying, I don't want that. I'm not interested in that. And they walk away. I want you to imagine you were one of the disciples of Jesus. What would you feel as you're watching this? You, your heart would be breaking. You'd be going, what is going on right now? Why is this happening? Now, notice that John doesn't say that the crowd turned away from Jesus. Because again, there were certainly crowds around Jesus because he could do miracles. And, and he had just earlier in the chapter, he had fed people miraculously. So you can imagine a crowd that would follow him. But John doesn't say the crowd turned away. John says that many of Jesus' disciples turned away. These are people who are somewhat, somehow committed to following the person of Jesus. And in this moment, they decide, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to keep following him. Now you may go, well, who are these disciples? Because it's not referring to the 12, as we'll see in just a second. This is referring to a bigger group. Now we've already introduced these disciples earlier in the book of John. If you go back to chapter four, you see a reference to this. In John 4, 1, it said, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. This is John the Baptist. So here you have this sense of there are a, a growing group of disciples of Jesus and, and, and he has been accumulating these disciples uh, for six chapters, you know, however long that, that took, for six chapters as we have read through it, and we've had reference to this. Now, when, when you know, he sees this reaction, you might expect Jesus to stop what he's saying, uh, to clarify, to say it differently, but Jesus doesn't. He intensifies what he's saying to make his point. Uh, and, and it's an interesting reaction. We just read this, but in verse 62, it says, then what will you think if you see the son of man ascend to heaven again? Now he's going, if you think what I just said to you about my flesh and my blood, if you think that's hard, what will you think if you see the son of man ascend to heaven again? Now, this has two meanings built into this. One would be, literally, if you see Jesus ascend into heaven and you realize he is God, what would that do? You know, to this group of people that's going, I don't know if I can follow this guy. If you were to see him ascend into heaven as God, you could see it with your very eyes. What would that do? How would that change? But there's a second meaning built in. Uh, what would you think if you saw Jesus ascend to the cross? Now, he's going to ascend onto the cross where he will literally give of his flesh and his blood to connect to what he said in the passage we looked at last week. What would you think? How offensive, how hard would that message be if you saw Jesus crucified? Right? So both of those would add a, a complexity to it for different reasons. One, if, if I could see without a doubt that Jesus was God, and the other one, if, if I could see Jesus killed, what would that do to this message? And so they're all trying to process his words, and many of the disciples walk away. Go to verse 67. Then Jesus turned to the 12. Okay, These are the, the ones we often think of as his disciples. And he asked, are you also going to leave. I don't know about you. I just feel such a, uh, a tenderness, almost a loneliness in what Jesus is saying here. Well, what about you guys? 
are you going to leave me too? And Simon, Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. And then Jesus said, I chose the 12 of you, but one is a devil. He was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, one of the 12, who would later betray him. Now, I've always been so fascinated by Peter's response here. When Jesus says, well, what about you? Are you guys going to go too? Notice what Peter doesn't say that I, I would expect him to say. Like, Jesus, we would never leave you. Jesus, we are for you. We are bought in. You can count on us. How could you even ask us? We would never leave you. That isn't what Peter says. Essentially, Peter goes, where else would we go? What else would we do? Who else would we follow? What is there compared with you? See, Peter's going, look, I've weighed my options. I have searched for truth. I have processed all the things before me and nothing can compare with you, Jesus. And so I think Peter's going, yeah, this is hard. Yeah, this is a lot to take in, but where else would we go? What else would we do? You have the words of life. Now, this is a, an interesting passage to consider uh, in, the, in the world right now. Because it is very hard right now just to navigate our faith, to navigate following Jesus. And, and so I thought, man, I already feel how hard this is. I don't want to read a passage and talk about passages about how Jesus is making it even harder than we already feel it is. And as I prayed about this week, I'm going, God, what do we do with a passage like this? Should this discourage us more and go, well, it's always been hard and it's going to be hard and that's just what it is? Or is there something that you have for us? And, and I want to give you a, a word of encouragement that I think God gave to me this week that I would share with you that, that as I was thinking about praying through this passage, that this is the, the insight that I got. That Christians should be the best equipped to deal with hard times. That is a word of encouragement. The Christians should be the best equipped to deal with hard times. Because if you are a Christian, I realize that, that many of you today that are maybe watching this or listening to this, you may not be there yet. And that is totally fine. Uh, you are welcome here. You're welcome to wrestle uh, with this with us. But I do want to speak to those who would say, yes, I'm in. If you are in, you should be equipped. You should be better equipped than others because you have already decided to follow the guy with the hard teachings. You've already postured your life to follow him. So we should be the ones who are best equipped to deal with hard times. But that doesn't mean it'll be easy. That doesn't mean that it won't be hard. It won't feel hard. It doesn't mean the challenge won't be real. And to be honest with you, I personally feel this right now how hard it is to navigate the, the situation we're in with the world changing as much as it is. I say, how do I follow Jesus well in the midst of this? And this last week has been a week of learning for me to try to listen, to try to figure out where am I not doing this well? Where can I do this better? How, how, how do I follow Jesus when it gets hard? And in the midst of that, I feel like Jesus is saying, you are equipped to do it. That, that, that when things get hard, it should be those of us who are committed to following the person of Jesus. They say, look, we're going to wrestle these things through that are able to navigate what we see 
around us because our world is hurting in profound ways right now. And the challenge that we have, and this is both in the, the world, in, in, in the culture sense, but also in the church, is that we can see problems, but we don't always see problems the same way. And so we can, you know, you and I could look at something and we might go, yeah, that's not the way it should be. But you might conclude it's because of this and I might be concluding it's because of this. And you put a group of us into a room and there may be a variety of ways that we see a problem which will then lead to a variety of recommended solutions. Because if we see the problem like this, that might be how we see the solution. And, and we figure out, well, how do you navigate when we see the problems differently, when we see the solutions differently, how do we live in a season like this? Now, the reality is, this would be far easier if we were a, uh, a far left-leaning church or a far right-leaning church. And I could just, you know, take an extreme stance, sit there, and it would be an echo chamber and everybody go, yeah, 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 we all agree with that. That would be far easier because it's always easier living in the extremes. But that's not the kind of church we are. We have many perspectives represented. And, and so wherever we land on any issue, whatever we say, there is always that tension that comes with it of, well, what about this? And how do we process that? And, and this is where it gets really hard. How do we navigate all of this together? Now, I'll give you a couple examples of things that I've been thinking through and of how do we do this well and, and, and maybe how do we do this better uh, than we've been doing it. Let's take a couple um, really hot topics right now and in real time, let's go there and go, how do we work our way through this? One of the conversations that uh, is happening all around us is a conversation about police, right? And, and so I go, well, where are you at with this conversation? And are you here? Are you here? Are you here? Uh, and there's a lot of uh, very polarized views of this. Now, as I process through this, I could say, look, um, I think that we should probably have a conversation about police in our, in our nation, right? Uh, not because uh, I think uh, anything's wrong in my own experience, but I'm listening, I'm listening to other people share uh, that, that their experiences have not been the same as my experience and, and that's not okay. And, and so on one hand, I can say, yeah, we should probably have that conversation. I don't know what that looks like, but we should probably create space. So I have to say, what would this look like? Now, at the same time, I can say, uh, and something you may not know about me, I used to be a police chaplain. For many years when I lived in Arizona, uh, I would volunteer my time as a police chaplain which meant I would go on ride-alongs often with officers and I would, I would be with them their entire shift. I would go where they would go and I would see what they would see. And, uh, and I can tell you, um, I watched them run into situations that made me fearful, right? And they would run right into it. They, they, would, they would do that boldly and, and courageously. I, I remember realizing one day that, you know, they spend many of their days being lied to just over and over and over. I remember thinking, what would that do to me if I was just constantly being lied to over and over again? So I can also have a heart for, for officers who are really trying to serve well, who, who feel that they want to provide a service for others. They're trying to do it well. And I can see it from their point of view and go, they have to be feeling a ton right now. Now you might go, well, Jeremy, which is it? You know, you, 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 gotta, you gotta pick one here. Well, here's the deal. I think you can be against racism and support police. Now, you might go, no, pick, pick one, you, you can't. I think you can do both. I think you can say I'm against racism and I wanna work against racism, but not at the expense to say I'm against police or I'm against these people. I wanna be for them 
as well. How, how do I live in that tension? Or take another conversation we're having. What does it mean to be pro-life? Well, I, I can say, hey, for me, I think it means that I want to champion the rights of unborn children. Absolutely. I, I am pro-life. I, I adamantly believe in that. And, and I want to figure out how do I use my voice for that? But I also want to say, I, if I'm pro-life, I'm pro the life of adults as well. And, and anyone who is killed would be uh, against that, uh, no matter what age they are. And, and so I have to learn how to navigate that. And you may go, well, well, which is it? You see, if I'm going to be pro-life from the womb to the tomb, I'm going to have to accept attention. I'm going to have to live in that tension. And I think we can do this for a variety of topics that we're trying to navigate right now. And here's the reality. If you try to follow Jesus this way, rather than choosing an extreme, rather than picking a side and saying, I'm with them and I'm against them. If you try to, to enter into this in a different way, uh, it will be very hard. And what you'll pro probably realize, as, as I have often felt, is that you're not going to be able to really find a home in a political party. Because political parties tend to say, this is where we're at on this, this is where we're at on this. And some of these you have to be willing to navigate. And so even the pro-life one, well, there's one party that would focus on this end of it. There's one party that would focus on this end of it. How do I find a home if I think that Jesus is, is inviting me into that tension to navigate that middle space differently? And this is so hard to do. So hard to do. And I'll be the first to say, I don't always navigate this per perfectly. I don't always know, hey, am I leaning too far over here? Am I leaning too far over here? Am I, am I taking this right? It's incredibly hard. And there are moments you just want to say, I don't want to do this. This is, this is just too much. How do I navigate conversations like this? And so maybe you've had the feeling, and I, I totally relate to this feeling. Let's not do this. Let's not, like, let's leave that tension alone. Let's just preach Jesus. Let's just talk about Jesus. I don't want to have to enter into these different tensions. I don't want to have to try and navigate these together. Well, the challenge with just preach Jesus is you get to passages like John 6, where you go, well, Jesus would say things that would be really hard for people. And so what do we do when we feel like some of the things that Jesus is asking of us are really hard? Do, do we just you know, pretend like John 6 doesn't exist? Or do we say, what can we learn from this? Or maybe you think, let's just go back to the early church. Let's go back to the book of Acts. You know, let's, let's figure out what were they doing and let's just strip all this other stuff down. Let's go do that. And, and so again, I was like, I want to just revisit Acts this week and go, what, what was the early church dealing with? Because it feels like the church today in America is dealing with so much. What, what were they dealing with? And, and this is not an exhaustive list, but here's a few things I put together. Uh, you have people dying in church. In church, right? That's chapter five. Uh, we don't normally have to deal with that, but that's an unusual situation that they had to deal with. Uh, you had persecution of the church. That's in chapter eight and, and in chapter 12 again. That was incredibly difficult for the church. You had racial and ethnic tensions that they had to navigate in the midst of. That's in chapter 15. And that was very difficult for them as well to figure out how do we figure this out. You had divisions among disciples where they disagreed, uh, not on like moral things, but on like the philosophy of how to live this out. How do we actually go and do this ministry so much that they, they split? That they go, you go do that. We're going to go do this because we just see this differently. That was what they wrestled with. 
in chapter 15. And then in chapter 19, you have riots. I mean, literally, as I was looking, I'm going, they had to deal with their own share of challenges. It was hard for the early church as well. And it is hard for us. And we may want this reprieve to say, we just want to, to, to simplify this. Friends, I think this is what it means to follow Jesus. And to say, yes, we will be the ones because we are equipped to follow Jesus, especially when it's hard. So the thing that I'm really feeling and the thing that I'm trying to do is this, that we must learn to follow Jesus in the tension. We must just learn to go, look, we're not gonna go to extremes. We're not gonna to pick sides and be against other people. We're gonna try to love well. And, and this is messy and this is difficult and this is hard to do. The author Sarah Bessie says this, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would sweep into our lives with holy disruption, upending our assumptions and privileges, our greed and selfishness, our pride and our stupor to empower our work and our witness. I love that as a prayer right now. Holy Spirit, would you just disrupt us Allow us to, to be empowered for whatever work you want for us, whatever witness you want us to have. So I think it's a season for us to commit to listening deeply, to truly listen. And I think it starts by listening to Jesus. Jesus, what is it that you're saying to us? What is it that I need to hear? What is it that I need to process? But then listening to those around us. And rather than this temptation to try to resolve this, to, to pick a side, to go, how do we listen well to perspectives that may be different? The pastor, Andy Stanley, uh, recently uh, offered a great question. I think is a question you and I can ask today. It's, the question is this, how do people who don't look like you experience you? I think it's a great question. It's a listening question, right? How, how do I process my actions in a season like this when the world is dealing with all of this? How do people who don't look like you experience you? Now notice it's not how do you experience them, which we're, you know, we were quick to go, well, here's how I feel toward you. No, that's not the question. How do they experience us? Now you might think, well, how would I know the answer to that? I don't know how they experience me. I know how I experience them. Well, to know how they experience you, you'd have to listen. You'd have to ask. You'd have to be curious and go, what is it like for you? And what is it like for you with me? And how do I make you feel? And, and, and what am I communicating that maybe I'm not even aware of? It's a profound question and, and it would take some work and it would be hard to really wrestle with that question and to ask that question broadly and say, how can I apply that question in different settings? So one of the things that I wanna encourage you with is I think we can get really practical. Who are you listening to right now that has a different perspective than you? Now, again, you can, you can kind of start, you know, small here and go, well, this person, you know, I'm close to you, but we, we see this issue differently. And so we could start there. But you can just keep going. Who are you listening to? That is a different perspective that you can go, I, I wanna understand you better. I wanna understand how you experience me. I, I wanna see things that maybe I'm not seeing. How, how can we begin to broaden that and broaden that and broaden that? How do we listen well? I, I think it begins with humility. Again, this is so hard to do because I, I, I can be so convinced that this is the right way or, or I, I see this accurately, I can be passionate about it. 
But humility causes us to go, maybe I, I don't know what I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about something that I'm convinced I'm right about. And how do I have this posture of, of listening to go, all right, I'm gonna hold this in my hands and go, Jesus, help me navigate this. Help me process this. Help me learn from this. And so uh, to give you a, you know, uh, a next step, I wanna give you three questions I'm asking myself right now. As I try to deal with, this is really hard. I wanna give you three questions that you can ask because this is what I'm asking myself. And again, I offer this up because I'm, I'm preaching out of my own weaknesses here, of things that I'm trying to learn from Jesus, uh, going, God, you gotta help me with this. And if this is helpful to you as well, then praise God. But this is the things that I'm asking myself. Number one, what do I not know? What do I not know? Now, again, that's a really hard question because we don't know what we don't know. But what if we were to ask the question, hey, I don't think I know that. I don't think I know much about that. I don't think I know much about what that person is feeling or that group is feeling or, or really, I don't know much about this topic or this issue beyond you know, my point of view. What is it I don't know? It's a question I'm trying to ask right now. What do I not know? Similar to that is, what do I not see, right? Because my experiences are what they are. Uh, my point of view is what it is. What do I not see that someone else can see, that someone around me is seeing, that someone may be seeing in my life that, that I don't see? What is it that I don't see? What is it I don't know? What is it I don't see? And the third question that I'm asking myself is, am I trying to get rid of the tension? Am I trying to, to uh, unnaturally resolve this because the tension's too much, because the conversation is too hard? Am I rushing in to go, no, just pick a side, be done with it and write this other group off? Am I trying to, to get rid of this tension or am I willing to follow Jesus when it gets hard? Those are, those are tough questions to ask. And, and just this week, as I've been processing these, feel like Jesus is teaching me a lot, is leading me forward, is, is, is there with me as I'm working through this. I encourage you, uh, these are questions worth asking, worth pondering. Can we listen longer than feels comfortable? I really wanna listen. I really want to learn. I really want to, to uh, enter into this tension well. And can we love others in the midst of tension? Can, can we make love our default posture even when there's disagreement, even when there's confusion, even when it's really hard? Because I believe Christians are the best equipped to follow and to deal with hard times. We follow the guy that has a very hard message. Should we not be the ones, if we can follow Jesus, if we can work through that to say, you know what, when things get hard, we will be the ones that will model a way forward. As we allow Jesus to shape us, to guide us, we will help to manage these tensions well and to work for the, the thriving and the flourishing of all people around us. Let's pray together. Jesus, we need your help. This is hard. It is hard to know how to use our voices right now. It is hard to know how to love well right now. It is hard to know how to listen right now. And 
God, I confess I have not uh, done it as well as I should have. And it is my desire to do better. It is my desire to figure out how do we move forward in a different way? How do we move forward faithfully to you when it gets hard? So Jesus, as a church, as a community, as a nation, may you be with us. May you guide us forward. May we ask the really hard questions that cause us to live in the tension rather than in a, an easier extreme, but to work for the good of, of all people, to love and support and not be against any person, but to be for people. We believe that there is a lot of brokenness in our world and you want to bring healing and you want to, to be restoring and redeeming and you will use people like us if we are willing to live in it, if we are willing to push through when it gets hard. But God, may we be encouraged that we are the ones who, who should be ready for this moment, who should be ready to meet you here moment by moment as we navigate these hard times together. May you use us to bring healing. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.